morning. Welcome to church today. Stand with us. Let's worship. Let's give God praise and glory together.
you glory today, Lord, to give you praise today, God. You're the reason we're here, Lord Jesus. You're the reason we're here, and we look to you today, God, the author, the finisher of our faith. And we bless your holy name. We give you honor. We give you praise. And we thank you, Lord, that we are forgiven because of you.
that fire But now there's fire inside of me Well here I am a dead man walking No grave gonna hold God's people All the weight of all our evil Lifted away forever free Who could believe, who could believe Forgiven, forgiven You love me even when I don't deserve it Forgiven, I'm forgiven For Jesus, your blood good just to make declarations unto the enemy. How many know the word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and so when we declare that we're forgiven when we declare that we're free we're telling the dark kingdom who we belong to. Amen? And what rights he no longer has on us. Amen? Amen. I'm not going to lie the Lord's given me many scriptures this morning and I'm kind of just trying to figure out, God, where is it you want us to go? And what is it you want us to say? But they're all about the heart. And in the end, what I think he's saying is, we better prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our hearts for what he's about to do. We need to prepare our hearts so that he can use us. He just wants us to prepare our hearts. To turn them toward him. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 13. I'm going to read the message translation. says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I was just thinking about when Joshua took the children of Israel and they crossed over. Before they could cross over, the generation that was getting ready to to move into their promise had to be circumcised because they'd been in the wilderness those who had been circumcised had all died off, they'd all passed away Amen. so now our circumcision is our heart so God's wanting to lay our hearts open I believe he's wanting us to surrender some things to him because they're keeping us from moving where he wants us to go so those things that we're allowing in, because the New Testament says, keep, or no, it's Proverbs that says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. So I feel like God's saying, number one, set a guard over your heart more often. Number two, cast those things out as they begin to come into your life. Amen. As, as bitterness tries to come in, you just say, no, I don't have to walk in that. I don't want that. I'm casting that down. And I feel like we're in an important season. The other thing... I really have just been thinking a lot about is if we have words 
that God has spoken over us. It's the season to get those words out, to speak those words back to the enemy and remind him who God says we are so that can, we can move into what God has for us. So all the promises, all the prophecies, whether they're personal, whether they're in the word, get those. Agree with the enemy. Let the Lord clean out our heart because I have no doubt, right? We all know. We feel it. God's getting ready to move us into something else. So he's saying, prepare your heart and get ready.
dark it might be, how impossible it might seem, and sometimes even what you're told about it, whether it's a healing or what, whether it's a child that you're believing for, whether it's financial, what, whatever it is, I'm thankful this morning that we serve a, the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. rise in this house this morning.
I want you to do do me a favor not for my sake do it for your sake but I want you to posture your heart to receive something from God I'm reminded that when my kids have a birthday and they have 
friends that come over that bring them gifts. We, we take them and we posture them. We put them in a place and put all these gifts around them so they can receive them. Today, you know what? All you got to do is come up to the table that the Lord has. And he has gifts spread out for you. He has the answer to your need. He has the answer to your prayers. And all you got to say is, God, I'm here. I'm here. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Amen. So can you posture your heart this morning? Can you lift your hands and say, hey, God, I surrender to you today. Not my will be done, but thy will be done in my life, God. Come on, begin to open your mouth. Come on, begin to open your mouth. Begin to talk to the Lord. Lord, we receive. Lord, we receive. God, our arms are open. God, our hearts are open. God, our minds are out of the way. And we say, Lord, we're open and we're ready to receive from you. Your word says, Lord, that if we seek you with all our heart, Lord, that we would find you. If we seek you, Lord, we draw close to you. We draw close to you. How many by show of hand would say, hey, pastor, I know someone that has a need or I have a need today. All right, hands going up everywhere. This is what, what I want to do. I want to pray for those needs today. If you're looking for healing for someone or maybe in your own life, posture yourself. Pray for that person as if you hope they would pray for you if you are in their shoes. Need to pray for Steve who's still in the hospital battling. Steve Phillips and I, and also, I got a call yesterday uh, that a friend of mine in California, young, in his early 50s, his heart stopped. He was having surgery. His heart stopped multiple times. They had to rehabilitate him 10 times. They got him under control. I mean, they got him back, but you need to pray for him. And I know the needs that you have. Many of you have needs. And if we were to go through here, we could spend all day talking about the needs. But I can tell you, we don't have to talk about the needs because I know the God who can answer the needs. Amen. Amen. So let's come into agreement. Let's come into agreement today. Let's pray for each and every need. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you, Lord, for a chance to come to you, to a God who loves us, who cares about us, who has our best interest at heart. God, even though we don't see it, Lord, we know you're working. Even though we don't feel it, Lord, we know you're working on our behalf. God, I pray for those who are dealing with sickness this morning. God, in the mighty name of Jesus, let healing virtue begin to flow. God, over lives, God, we lift up Steve, Lord, up in the hospital right now. God, he needs a miracle. And you are a miracle worker. God, we lift up Pastor Mike, God, in California, Lord. Lord, he is a miracle. Lord, you sustained him. Lord, you kept him. God, I ask, Lord, that 
you would reach down where he's at right now, God, and touch his body. God, those hands that were raised, God, for sickness this morning and needs and circumstances, let healing virtue begin to flow, God, right where they're at, right where they're at right now. God, we don't have to be there. You are a God who can do it without even us being there. God, I pray, Lord, healing virtue begin to flow right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Those who are dealing with issues, God, in their marriages. We bind the enemy. The lies, the deception. We bind the enemy right now, God. We pray restoration, God of hearts. Turn husbands towards their wives, God. Turn wives towards their husbands. God, heal. In the mighty name of Jesus. God, those who are looking for answers and direction. Lord, your word says that our steps are ordered of the Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give them confidence to step in the calling and the promise of God. And not move too fast and not move too slow, but stay right in step with what you have for them. God, those who are struggling in their mind, those who are dealing with depression, anxiety, worry, We say be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Right now, Lord, as your Holy Spirit is moving in this building, God, I pray, Lord, you would soften our hearts. For what you have for us, God, you are taking us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So, Lord, we step into that and we say, God, we're here. God, have your way. Have your way, God, in my life, in my life today. Come on, can you stretch your hands towards heaven? Come on, can you, can you begin to just worship the Lord? Say, I don't know what to say. Say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, sing this. Come on, Waymaker. Come on, sing it out. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who.
Come on, if you believe that today, come on, can you shout with the voice of triumph? Can you shout with the voice of triumph? Can you shout like the battle's already been won? Ha! Yeah! Hallelujah! Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! Worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. So, Lord, we say thank you for answering prayer. Lord, we in faith say thank you, Lord, for answering prayer today. <laughs> we worship you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We praise your mighty name. Mighty is your name, Lord. Mighty is your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, I feel the presence of the Lord in this house this morning. I think the Lord wanted to be here with us today. He's enthroned in our praises. He sits in our praises. I love that. Hallelujah. I, if you can, find about four people. Give them a fist bump and say, God is a way maker. God is a way maker. Amen. You may be seated today. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. How many are glad that you came to the house of the Lord today? Say, I'm not used to that kind of worship. I tell you what, heaven is going to be like that. You better just get ready. I tell you what, I feel the presence of the Lord in the house today. It's so good to see you. Uh, if you are a guest with us, I pray that you feel welcome today. And uh, that you were uh, visited, or that you, when you walked through the door, that you were greeted. And pray that you feel the presence of the Lord in the house today. Uh, can we give all of our guests uh, a welcome today? Can you give them a hand? I want to say from the bottom of my heart that I am glad that you're here. Because you could have chose to be anywhere but you chose here and the house of the Lord today, and we and I want to say personally that I am glad that you're here. If you can, uh, try to catch me at the end of service. I will usually in the back. I'd like to just shake your hand, get to know your name, and uh, talk to you. Uh, I am fresh back from a week of camp. I survived. It's a lot easier when you're preaching a camp than when you're directing a camp. I can tell you that. And uh, I tell you what, I went and was able to minister to uh, a bunch of junior hires, and let me tell you something, when you get a bunch of junior hires in a room, it stinks. <laughs> if you have junior hires, make sure that when you, we send them to camp that they know that they need to at least take a shower once a day. Uh, but uh, no, I'm, I but, uh, had a great, great time. God moved. It was powerful, and I thank you guys for praying for me as I went. I really did feel, feel your prayers. 
and uh, just had a wonderful time there uh, speaking. And I, you say, well, why do you why do you speak at youth camps? Because I believe in the next generation. I believe in this generation, and I believe they're worth pouring into and loving on. And and so uh, that's why I do it. So uh, I want to just I don't want to take too much longer here, but I want to get right into the word. We're going to start a series uh, called Against All Odds. Everyone say Against All Odds. And uh, this will be the first installment of this series. And uh, how many of you have ever faced a situation that seemed impossible? Maybe you were diagnosed with a, a disease or maybe you got an email um, that from your job that said that you were dismissed or maybe... Maybe you had failures or maybe doors that closed that you thought should have been open. Anybody ever faced some struggles and some, some issues and some problems? How many has ever faced problems? How many are facing problems? All right. All right. Uh, and um, maybe your problem is, you know, maybe you've, you've lost your job. Maybe you have issues within your families. Um, and they're all problems. And Jesus would even say this, that in this world you will have troubles. Jesus said that, but he said, take heart because I have what? Overcome the world. And uh, I'm going to talk to you today that uh, on this subject, and I love that verse because it goes right with what I, um, Jesus overcame the world. Jesus is bigger than your problem, right? Let me say that again. Jesus is bigger than your problem, right? All right. Thank you. And, uh, and oftentimes... Uh, I, you know, talking to junior hires this week, I, I really like to, I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of lead me to talk about their purpose and their calling that God has for them. You know, God has a calling for everybody. Not everybody's called to preach, but you're called to win souls. Maybe you're not a preacher or maybe you're not, you know, involved in full-time ministry or doing something like that, but you are called to touch lives and to let people know we're called to make Jesus famous. Amen? And I, I heard someone say this this week, and I liked it, is let's fill heaven up as much as we can. If that doesn't get you excited, your wood's wet. Let's fill heaven up as full as we can. Amen? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. See, God has a promise, and God has a calling on your life, and he has a purpose to fulfill. But while problems exist, God's promise is bigger than your problem. Now, what happens with us is we look at our problem, and oftentimes we magnify our problem and demagnify the promise of God on your life when we should magnify the promise and demagnify the problem in our life because God's promise is greater than your problem. Everyone look at your neighbor and say that. Say God's promise is bigger than your problem. Uh, I, this week I, I got to speak and I, I'm going to just kind of go off of that a little bit but I got to speak about Abraham and Abraham uh, is the rock star of blessings. I mean, he was called out, was blessed by God in a major way. Matter of fact, he's blessed so much that he had a number one billboard chart song in children's church for decades. Father Abraham, right arm, left arm, right foot, left 
foot, spin around, drop down, die, you know, right? I'm old now, so I can say that, right? How many of you guys sing that song in church? All right. Let's sing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he had, he, he, God had a calling and God had a promise on him. Matter of fact, um, his calling and his blessing and his promise that God gave him would give him a spot in Hebrews in the hall of faith. Mention him and talk about his great faith how great deeds that he did. And, and, you know, here's the thing. We are blessed today because of Abraham. Because of Abraham's obedience, we are blessed today. Mom and dad, your kids will be blessed because of your obedience to the Lord. Now, that's good right there. Some of y'all should have got up and shouted there, but it's all right. I know, I know you're like, oh, you're tentatively listening. So, um, but here's Abraham's promise. His promise was God, God would make, make him famous. The, the translation that I used this week was the NLT, and it said, it said that. It said, God is calling you to leave your family, leave your relatives, go to a land that I'll tell you. He didn't have GPS. God didn't tell him where to go. He just said, go. He had a few things he needed to do, leave your family, a few things. And before God gives you the promise, well, when God gives you the promise, he gives you some steps to walk in obedience first. Oh, man, that bounced off every wall in here. Uh, but his promise, God's promise to Abraham would make Abraham famous. And God said he would make a great nation and, and make his descendants would number more than the stars and more than the sand on the seashore. How I many know that's a lot of kids? That's a lot of descendants. Here's the problem. Abraham was 75 when he left for his promise. Some of you are like, I'm 30 and I don't know what I'm going to do. Abraham was 75 when he left for his promise. His wife was 65. Let me tell you, God told him he's going to make a great nation out of him. You know what's crazy about that statement is he didn't have any kids. His wife was barren. He's old, too. When's the last time, ladies, any of you ladies that, were, that have had children, you went into your, um, you know, your, your checkup while you're pregnant, that you went to the doctor, you were in the waiting room, that you saw a 90-year-old man or a 90-year-old woman come in, just pregnant, just sitting there. Anybody had that issue? I didn't, I didn't think so, right? Seems a little bit, a little bit crazy, right? But here's the thing. He's 75 when he leaves, and he would have to wait until he is 100 and Sarah is 90 to fully receive this promise that God had given him and to see it fulfilled. So I want to talk to you guys on this topic. The promise is greater than the problem. Everyone say that with me. The promise is greater than the problem. Say it again. The promise is greater than the problem. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go to Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 18 through 24. Romans chapter 4. That's in the New Testament. Go to Matthew. Go write a few books. Romans chapter 4, verse 18 and 24. When you have it, say, I got it. All right. If you don't have it, it will be on the screen. I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation today. It says this, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Man, I could stop right there and preach. 
All right. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Say, everyone say, did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And all the 100-year-olds said, amen. Right? Uh, even though he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Look at this. Verse 20 says this. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Man, this is rich. And in fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. How many want to bring glory to God? Grow your faith. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Let me ask you this. Are you fully convinced that God can do whatever he promises? Amen. All right. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit. Two, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, that you would soften hearts today. God, Lord, that you would make us open our hearts today. God, let us be a little bit vulnerable today. Sometimes that's not easy. But God, let us posture our heart for the word. God, I pray, Lord, that as the word goes forth, God, Lord, that your anointing would flow. God, it's through your word. It's not my ability and not my skills. Lord, I lean into you with all my might today. Lord, have your will and way. Lives are going to be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Against all odds, the promise is greater than the problem. So I want to give you guys just quickly four points, four points about uh, the promise is greater than the problem. And here, here's some things I want to take out of this. The first thing you, you can do to make sure that you keep the promise in the right perspective. We Remember I said this. You magnify the promise. You demagnify the problem in your life. Oftentimes we magnify the problem and demagnify the promise. Right? And so in order to do that, I'm going to give you just four practical things that we can do to make sure that the promise stays magnified in our life. Here's number one. If you're a note taker, write this down. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Hope literally means this, to cherish a desire with great expectation that it will happen. And the thing about hope as a believer, hope is the foundation of our faith because faith is the substance of things. What? Hope for and the evidence of things not seen. So, you know, that is the biblical definition of faith. What, what is that? Faith is this, seeing it, believing it, or believing it before I see it. That's it. Substance of things hoped for, yet not seen. And oftentimes in our lives, because we don't see it with our eyes, we walk by faith, not by sight, but when we don't see it with our eyes, oftentimes we get discouraged and the problem begins to magnify in our lives. We're talking about hope, and, and you may not see it with your eyes, but as you hope, you'll see it with your heart. How many know that seeing things with your heart is more important than seeing it with your eyes? Amen. Proverbs says this, uh, Proverbs thirteen twelve says this, hope deferred makes the heart, what, 
sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. How many of you have ever hoped for something that it would take place? You hope that, you know, things would fall into place, or you hope that you would get your equity line on your home, or you hoped that God would sustain your marriage, or you hoped that your child would come back to Christ, or come to know Christ. And when that doesn't happen, oftentimes we walk around with sick hearts because hope has been deferred. But when those things happen, it's like a tree of life to us. How many love it when, when you're hoping for something and it happens? Amen. And our hope is not in this world or the things of this world. Uh, but it, our hope is to be in the Lord. Now, now look at this. Abraham is, is kind of... We look at him, his faith is kind of crazy, right? I don't know about you, at 75 years old, most people are going to be settling down, right? Most of you are like, I hope I am. Most people at 75 years old are going to be settling down. But God literally calls Abraham at 75 years of age. I said this to junior hires this week. I said, age is just a number to God. God's not interested in your age. He's interested in your heart. Now, let's flip that script. I'm 75. God's not interested in your age. He's interested in your heart. Young people that are in here, I'm too young to serve. Oh, God's not interested in your age. He's interested in your heart. If you can get that, listen to me. Young people, if you can get that in your heart right now, you'll turn this world upside down. But our hope is not to be in this world or the things of this world, but it is to be in the Lord. Look at this. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for uh, welfare and not for evil to give you future and a. All right. Some of you know your word. All right. Psalms 42, 5 says this. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I like that. For I shall again praise him, my salvation. Romans 15, 13 says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with what? Confident hope. How many want to overflow with confident hope? I like that. I love that scripture. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 10, 23 says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. God can be trusted to keep his promise. That scripture is so relevant to the title of my sermon. The promise is greater than your problem. And oftentimes we lose hope. Can I give you some words, some admonishing words today? Don't give up hope. Some of you need to get your hopes up. You know, how many, of you, how many times you heard that? Don't get your hopes up. Oh, no. When it comes to God, get your hopes up. Amen. Get your hopes up. Uh, not in your own ability, not in your own gifting, but in what God has said for you. Thank you, Sula, for listening to the word of the Lord today. I mean, just giving us, I mean, it's almost like she teed the ball up for me today. And I, I feel like I'm just like just hitting off of a tee today. Start looking at your life with vision and dreaming because what God has said will come to pass. God cannot lie. Can't do it. 
So what he says will come to pass. And Abraham, Abraham, 75 years old, kept hoping, not in himself, not in man, not in a system. He kept his hope in God. Just believed, I'm going to trust you. The second way uh, 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 to remember the promise is greater than the problem is this. Grow stronger in your faith. Number two, grow stronger in your faith. Everyone say, number one, keep hope alive. Number two, grow stronger in your faith. Here's the thing about faith. If, if you're standing idle in your faith, you just can't do it. Because faith is doing one of two things. It's either growing or it's dying. If you're not moving in your faith, you're dying in your faith. And listen, it's our responsibility to feed our faith. It is. Verse 19 says this, that Abraham's faith did not weaken even though he was 100 and his body was as good as dead. Woo. I don't know about you. Do you ever, do you ever get up in the mirror and say, man, my body's as good as dead. But here's what we need to do. Oftentimes, and I like what Abraham and Sarah do, they didn't ignore the facts. They faced the facts. I understand. Lord, I'm old. We don't have any kids. There's a great nation that's going to come out of me and, and my wife. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm not getting any younger. My wife is barren. And sometimes this is what happens. We look at our lives and we look at the problem. We focus on the problem so much that we forget the promise. And, and oftentimes when we, when we look at the problem, what we want to do is put our head down in the sand and just be like, I hope it just all goes away. But the truth of the matter is sometimes we just have to face the facts in our life. Sometimes some situations you just got to look at and go, this is a, a bad situation. Right? Sometimes we just have to do that. Ignoring our situation doesn't change our situation, right? If you ignore it, it doesn't change anything. You might get a little bit of relief for just a few moments, but it doesn't change anything. And as a matter of fact, it oftentimes makes things worse. Here's the thing. Abraham, he was old. 75 is not as old as I used to think it was. But, but Abraham was old. Sarah was barren. And this looks like an impossible thing and that Abraham probably had some moments where he had to really check his doubt and say, I, I don't know how I could be a father of a nation. I'm old. My wife's barren. God, do you really know what you're saying? Do you really know what you're talking about up there? Anybody ever been there? All right. I like that. We're, we're being honest today, right? At the facts look bleak. And Abraham and Sarah stared down at the facts. And in hope, they believed. The facts concerning your your children, the facts concerning your marriage, the facts concerning your calling. Maybe it looks bleak, but are you magnifying the problem or are you magnifying the promise? Amen. Are you guys with me? Listen, it will do nothing for you to ignore them. It's, it's not faith to tell yourself that it's all good when it's not. It's not. Uh, it happens. Listen, I'll give you a good example. One time I was flying home from a youth camp, and I lived in Texas at the time. And I left Florida, and I caught a flight, and I went to Birmingham, Alabama, and I was going to Dallas. And landed in Birmingham, called my wife and said, hey, I'm getting on this, this flight. She was supposed to pick me up at the Dallas airport. And uh, 
I've, I've learned that I probably should stop flying because I always have bad situations when I fly. And I, and I was like, hey, I will be there at this time. So I get on the flight. And uh, when I'm getting on the flight, there's a, uh, uh, when I get my seat, there's a young girl sitting beside me. And there's a guy sitting by, uh, you know, middle-aged guy sitting beside me here. And, uh, and so, you know, coming out of youth camp, there was this girl here. She's probably about, I don't know, uh, 12 or 13. She's flying by herself, she told me. She said, I'm flying by myself. I said, well, well, where are you going? She goes, I'm going to see my dad. My mom and dad are divorced, and I'm going to go spend some time with him. So then I just kind of thought, well, she's by herself, so, you know, I'll just try to be nice and kind to her. So I started talking to her a little bit. And I was tired because I just spoke at youth camp, and she just kept going on and on and on and on and on, right? You ever did something you regret doing? All right. So, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll love on this girl a little bit. And she's just like going on and on. And, and, and I was talking to her. I was joking with her. And, and she's, and, you know, and they're doing the whole spill, you know. Uh, and in the case of emergency, and I'm kind of like mocking them a little bit, you know. And, and she's laughing at me. And, and I, she, she said, this is my first time flying. And I go, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. No problem. I said, don't worry. Famous words, right? And 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 so and she goes, oh okay. And I said, listen, I've flown lots, man. It, it'll be a little little weird going up, but once we get up, it'll be fine. And when we land, you know, that's the two scariest times, leaving and, and landing. And and she was like, okay. And so, you know, and so we take off and we we go up. And I, I've flown enough to know that when you when if you've done a good amount of flying, when you take off, you can always hear those engines revving when you're climbing, right? And usually they get to a point and they kind of deaccelerate and just kind of glide for a while. Well, we got up, I don't know how far, we were just a few, probably a few minutes into the flight. And it had been storming all night and there was lightning going on. You could see lightning in the night sky. That's kind of scary if you've ever flown in that. And, uh, and while we're there, I'm just, she's chit-chatting with me and I'm like, okay. Uh, she doesn't understand I'm, I'm getting weary of talking to her. So I put my headphones in, you know kind of hoping she'll catch a hit, but she keeps talking to me anyways. I'm like, all right, let's try this again. Huh? What'd you say? You know, kind of thing. And uh, don't judge me. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me piously like, you, you were rotten, TJ. No. <sighs> I've asked God to forgive me for that. But in the process of, of, of going up in the air, the, the, the plane, the, the engines were roaring, and, and, and if you've flown a little bit, we got up in the air, and all of a sudden I felt the engines cut out. And when you've flown a lot, and you know you're not, you've not reached your height, and you hit, feel the engines shift, kind of go out. And then all of a sudden we made this huge bank. And I was like, I got this gut feeling inside of me. I was like, mmm, what's going on here? And then, over the loudspeaker, the captain says, I need you guys to make sure everyone's seated, everyone's buckled up. We're going to have to make an emergency landing. And I remember thinking at that time, I wish I would have been nicer to this girl beside me. But I remember hearing that. I remember hearing that. I remember looking at her, and she looked at me like, you said we were going to be all right. <laughs> and I said, oh. It's going to be fine. Listen, we're, we're going we're gonna to be fine. There's, it, they've got it all under control. Just relax. And then I turned the other way and went, God, please help us. Don't let us die here on this plane. <laughs> and then the guy beside me, he, he's sitting there, and, and, and he said, you know, when there's a problem, 
when they fly, they get you down to 10,000 feet because you can breathe the air at 10,000 feet, which you could tell that's kind of where they were kind of taking us down to 10,000 feet. And I was like, dude, you just need to shut up right now. Because I don't need that in my life. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking there in the midst, I didn't feel sad for me, but I remember thinking, man, I feel bad for Tristan. I feel bad for my kids. If I die, how how are they going to do? And, you know, my heart really broke for them. I really wasn't concerned about myself as much. So, oh, that's that's a real cool thing that you did there, TJ. Honestly, that's where my mind was. I thought, well, if something bad happens, God, take care of my family. And help them. And I remember there. And all I could do in that moment, I realized for the first time in my life, I had no control of what was happening. Zero. If I would have got up and ran up there to the pilot, knocked on the door and said, uh, I need to oversee here. I need, I need to let you know what you need to do here. Number one, I didn't know what the problem was. Number two, I probably would have been tackled by an air marshal. But in my mind, I remember thinking, man, there is nothing I can do. All I can do is pray and put my trust in this pilot's hands. And in our life, sometimes when things seem like they're going down, seems like it's going to fall apart, can I tell you, all you have to do is put your life in the pilot of Jesus Christ's hands. I don't know about you. This is us. We're all control freaks. I want control. God, I want control of my life. I want to do. I, me, me, me. And God's like, you're going to trust me, the pilot, or you're going to try to tell me what to do? You're going to try to force something in in that moment. Now, it was crazy because we landed uh, at an airport, a regional airport, and um, when we landed, I remember he, the, the captain said, hey, we're going to land. He goes, you'll see a bunch of fire trucks following us down the, down the runway. Just be alert. And he said, just stay in your seat when we land. Don't, don't do anything. You know, he just kind of was just encouraging us. It's crazy because when we, uh, we, could, we were getting lower and lower and lower and lower, and I thought, oh, Lord. And I saw trees and buildings and all these things. I'm like, Lord, just get us to the runway. Just get us to the runway. And I remember when we crested the hill and we came where the runway was, there was, I don't know, all I saw was just a bunch of fire trucks and everything. And I was like, oh, man, this is not good. And when we crested that, we went over all those fire trucks and we came down. And when our wheels hit the ground, everyone on the plane goes, yeah, including myself. And I looked at that girl and said, see, I didn't. But I remember we got off and, and everything at the airport was closed because I don't remember what. It was late at night. and It wasn't a very big airport. And we got out. And we got off and we were all in a terminal and we were just sitting there. And, uh, and the captain said, hey, we're going to get another plane. It's going to take a little bit. Just bear with us just a few minutes and we'll, we'll get another plane and we'll go up in there. And, and it was crazy because while we were sitting there at the terminal, he, the captain did this. And I love this. He came out at the terminal and he said, listen. If any of you are struggling about getting on this plane, come talk to me. And I can't help but think when we struggle trusting Jesus, that he's just sitting there going, hey, if you're struggling right now, come talk to me. 
you know, what just scared you? We got through it, but listen to me. I've been piloting this ship a long time. I promise you we're going to get where we're going to go. Amen? So in our lives, in our lives, you know, we're control freaks, and oftentimes we need to know the details, and we, we got to know every little thing that's happening, right? But faith is simply trusting God without knowing all the details. Abraham didn't know all the details. God said, hey, go to a land you don't know. That's not very many details. Leave your family. Some of you say, oh, I'll take that promise. Shame on you. But even though Abraham didn't see all the pieces and the facts looked stacked against him, he believed that his promise was greater than the problem. So how do you build your faith? Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, through the word of God. We have to read and we have to hear the word of God. You want to grow your faith? Read and hear the word of God. Jude 20 says this. Uh, there's only one, one, one chapter in Jude. Jude 1.20 says this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. You want to build your faith up? This prayer language is for building your faith. Amen. James 2 says this. So also, faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. So James says this. You know, he would say this in the next verse. I'll show you my faith by my works. You got to live it out. Everyone say you got to live it out. And he would, James would go on to say this. Oh, you believe in God? So what? So do the demons. It's his words, not mine. Just throwing it at you. Romans one uh, seventeen says this. The just shall live by. Paul would later in 2 Corinthians 3.18 say we're being transformed from glory to glory. And let me put it to you this way. From faith to faith. And in our lives, we're going to face some trials and we're going to face some problems. But the, pro- the promise trumps the problem. Look, all right, number three right here. Here's, here's the next point. Stop wavering. Everyone say stop wavering. To waver is to move unsteadily back and forth. That's what it means. And in our faith, oftentimes we waver. That means that we're wavering this way and we're wavering that way. We're trusting God. Ah, man, now we're having trouble trusting God, right? And we're wavering. We're going back and forth. Today our faith is being built up in this building, right? I believe that 100%. I believe God, God has done some great things in here. But tomorrow, guess what? We may feel the weight of the week or our job or a situation Our faith is lifted today, and tomorrow we may waver somewhat. Mark 9 tells a story of a man whose son was demonically oppressed. And he would thrash, and he would convulse and foam at the mouth. And Jesus would say this about him. Everything is possible if you believe. And this dad of this young boy would say, hey, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, here's the problem that we have. This is the problem, and I I love this story. We often think about that we have to believe 100%. Say, oh, we, we, we can't have a doubt in our mind. But oftentimes in our lives, we believe in the promise 67%. We may have, have a little bit of unbelief. I believe this dad was just being honest. When's the last time you were honest with the Lord? Lord, I believe, but help me. Help me with my unbelief. 
I don't see it, Lord. Help me to understand what you're doing. Help me to know, being honest with the Lord. And one of the reasons I feel like we struggle with unbelief is a lack of honor. So what do you mean by that? Lack of honor. Look at this. I'm going to show you something. This, this, this is amazing. Mark chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it says, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own households. And he could do what? No mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. How many want the miraculous to happen in your life? It's going to take honor. So notice the language here in verse 5. He could not do. Jesus could not do. You know, if you read that, I mean, you can read that really fast and just totally miss that. It's almost like I want to read it and, and I want to change the verbiage to he chose not to. Jesus didn't choose that. He could not. You know why? Lack of honor. Lack of honor in his own hometown. They didn't see Jesus for who he was. They grew up with Jesus, so they're like, ah, Jesus, you say you're the son of God? I don't know about that. They questioned him, and so when he went there, he could not do. It's not because he didn't choose to. He could not do because of their lack of honor. And can I tell you something? Oftentimes, when we don't honor the Lord, we tie his hands. You want the miraculous to happen in your life? You need to honor the Lord. Honor is a big deal to God. It is. It is. Matthew 8 tells the story of a centurion who was, he had 100 soldiers, and, and, and his servant was sick. And the Lord asked him, hey, do you want me to go, go pray with him? And the centurion's like, no, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. But listen, I am a man of, of power. I can tell a soldier to come, and they'll come. I'll tell a soldier to go, and they'll go. And he says, all you have to do, Jesus, is just speak the word. I understand authority. I understand honor. And Jesus would make this statement. Nowhere in Israel have I seen someone with as much faith. Now, I want you to, to, to think about that statement. Because the magnitude of that statement is telling us that the centurion had more faith than John the Baptist. The centurion had more faith than Mary the mother of Jesus, the centurion had more faith than all the disciples. That's a big statement. He understood honor. See, the Bible teaches that, uh, and, and listen, I'm not patting myself on the back. I don't even like to talk about this. But the one that teaches is worth double honor. You say, oh, well, that's a good timely sermon for you, TJ, right? And I'm not doing that so you'll bow down to me. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm trying to do is show you that when you honor God, when you honor the things that God has put in front of you, when you honor authority, God will bless you. It's what he does. It's what he does. And, 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 and I've seen God's blessing on people and ministries that honor God. You want the blessing? You want the miraculous? You want the promise of God in your life? Learn to honor. I've seen people in church who didn't honor God, those in authority, and lived with little or no honor. And I can tell you that the blessing of God was absent oftentimes in their life and the promise of God. They oftentimes struggled and wavered in their faith. And I can, can't help but think it was just maybe just a lack of honor. I don't know about you, Cornerstone. I want this place to be a place of honor. We honor God, and we honor each other. 
some of you honor your bosses, but talk down to your kids. Honor goes up. Honor also goes down. Listen, listen, I, I know, that, that's, that boy, that was good. You, you really punched us on that one, DJ. And oftentimes, honor, we can honor those in authority over us. And we go home and we see our kids and we talk to them with dishonor. And say, hey, Lord, forgive me for that. How about this? And I'm working on this one. Husband, honor your wife. You want the blessing of God to flow on your marriage? Husband, honor your wife. Wife, honor your husband. How about this? Parents, honor your children. Hey, children, honor your parents. It doesn't say honor your parents if they're right or if they're good. It just says honor your parents. It doesn't give, uh, you know, Definitive clause are, oh, you have to do this, and then you honor. No, they have to act this way. No, it just says honor them. There's no clause that says honor them only if they're good or honor them only if you're getting your way, <clears throat> kids. Kids. We're about to go back into school, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of wisdom here, just a little bit of wisdom for people, okay? When your kids go back to school, and your kids come home from school, and they start to dishonor your teach their teachers or their coaches. And this, listen to me, parents, shut it down. When you side with them, you're creating a culture of dishonor. Because you know what? God has placed that teacher in authority over your student. And we can learn, so boy, we live in a society of dishonor, and we can learn something from this, parents. We can learn something from this, people. If we would learn to honor, doesn't mean we have to totally agree. Doesn't mean that we can't call them and talk to them civilly. Right? But we need to honor them. And oftentimes when we agree with them, we're all only building a culture of dishonor. It's like mom and dad will get my back. If I don't like that person, I'll just dishonor them. I'm not saying when they... When their teachers do something totally wrong, you, you, can't, you can't call them out on it, but you need to do it in love. Talk to them with honor. When we honor God, we honor others. It opens uh, us up for the miraculous in our lives. So when we honor God, God will honor you. Abraham, he established honor. And look at this, this story in, in Genesis, I believe it's the 20th chapter. Three angels come and visit Abraham, and there he is sitting in his tent, and while he's sitting there waiting, and here comes these three angels, and what does he do? He automatically goes out, he greets them, and he's like, hey, are you guys tired? Are you weary? Uh, I tell you what, let me get you guys some water. And then he goes in, and, and, and he talks to Sarah, and he says, Sarah, hey, get 36 pounds of flour, and we're going to make some bread for these guys. And then he goes out to one of his hired servants and says, hey, go get, uh, 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 you know, a, a sheep, and I want you to slaughter that sheep because we're going we're gonna to have lamb sandwiches. He says, you guys rest. And, while, and think about this. I, I, me and Tristan were talking about this last night. Think about how long those guys waited for Abraham to do all those things. And he did that to honor them. He didn't know who they were. He just saw them coming. He's like, okay, I'm going to honor these guys. may be tired. They may need a place to rest. They need, may need some food. And he honored them. But look at this. The, and when he honored them, the angels gave 
Abraham the promise that he would have a son in the next year. It's the next statement that came out of their mouths is, hey, oh, by the way, thanks for the food. You're going to have a son next year at this time. Me? And I wonder, I wonder if that only happens because he chose to honor them. Let's honor where God can do the supernatural. How many want the supernatural in your life? Amen. We want to honor God, and we want to honor his people. And the promise is always greater than the problem. Here's number four. Get, get credit. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and say, what do you mean by get credit? I want you to think of this in banking terms, not, not so much, of you know, getting accolades or anything like that. Verse 22 in Romans 4 says this, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as what? Because of what? Because of his what? God counted him as. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for. Oh, man, Abraham was, was, was working. He was giving credits for us. Look at this. Uh, for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. So think of this in terms of banking, not like an affirmation or, you know, maybe you get a a credit from your job, like, hey, good job, well done. I'm going to give you credit for what you did today. Not like that, but more like begging him. So here's what we know. Abraham was not a perfect guy. Even though he was blessed, he had a promise of God on his life, he was not a perfect guy. I'm going to give you a few instances where he was not perfect. As a matter of fact, Sarah and him would use Sarah's handmaiden to try to fulfill the promise of God in their life. And Sarah said, hey, I'm not getting any younger you're not getting any younger. doesn't look like we're going to have any kids. So, hey, let's just step in here, jump in the pilot seat, and help the Lord out. This is what you should do. Maybe the Lord wants you to take my handmaiden, and, and you, you have relations with her, and that's what God meant. The promise would come out of her, not me. And I can't help but think in our lives that oftentimes we cause strife because we got to get our hands in the middle of the promise and God I want details and God I want this and through that it would cause consternation it's like he's trying to force the promise of God in his timing and their timing and it would be strife and complication in which he would have a mess and in Scripture also, just so you know, that Abraham wasn't a perfect guy. He lied in Scripture two times. He lied in chapter 12, and then he lied in chapter 20 about his wife. And one thing about this is when you do it once, it may be a mistake. If you do it twice, it's a pattern. Check this out. This pattern, the lie, these lies lead to deeper issues. You know what these deeper issues were? Unbelief, I don't, I'm not going to trust in God. But look, look at this. God, because of Abraham's faithfulness, gave credit to him. Every day, think of it like this. You're putting credits of faith in or you're withdrawing credits. Every day you live. And Abraham, as he walked this out, he delivered faith. I have a credit card, and when I get a statement on this particular credit card, it shows my credit score. 
And I wonder what our spiritual credit score would be if the Lord revealed that and showed that to us. I wonder how much credit we would have with the Lord if he would look at us and say, I know they've messed up, but man, I'm going to count them as righteous like I did Abraham. He wasn't perfect. Because Abraham was faithful, God counted him as righteous. And every day you're building your faith or you're losing your faith. And when we build our faith on Christ Jesus, listen to me, his grace covers our weakness. Bow your heads with me all across this building. Lord, the promise is greater than the problem. If you're here today, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to invite you to know him today. This is what I want to do with no one looking around. You can say, hey, TJ, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to know him. Here you're talking about trusting God, having faith in God, having hope in God. God giving us building credits of faith. I want to be counted as righteous. I've made some mistakes, but I want to ask Jesus into my heart. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Anybody in the building today? No one looking around. Anybody in the building? Sweet Terry, just a moment. Come on, I want to give you a chance. Terry, just a moment. All right. Look at me. If you're here today and you say, hey, TJ, I've lost hope. I've wavered. I know what the promise of God is for my life. But I've been magnifying my problem over my promise. And I need to get some things in the right perspective. I'm not going to have you bow your heads. I just want you to lift up your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Will you do me a favor? Everyone stand with me. I want to take just a few moments here. Thank you for being patient today. Thank you for being gracious today. But I do want to take a few moments for those who lifted their hand. This is what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith today. You raise your hand. I'm not doing this to call you out. I'm not doing this to show everyone that maybe you're struggling. It's okay. We all struggle. I've been there. Everyone's been there. I want to ask some of our prayer team to come down front. Some of our leaders and board members and wives of our board members to come down here. If you're struggling in your heart, just come. Just come. That's your invitation. Just that's your invitation. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk it up. The Holy Spirit will do the work that He's gonna do. They're going to pray and they're going to believe with you today. Come on. I, there's more of you. There's more of you. Come on. Take a step. Take a step of faith today. Hey, take that step of faith today. Don't let your problem 
be bigger than your promise. Come on, there's more of you. Come on, come on. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to call you out. I'm not trying to, to make you feel bad. I'm not doing that. I'm just, the Holy Spirit won't let me move from this point. Come on, as they're praying, I want you to stretch your hands and say, hey, I got it together, Pastor. I got my promise in the right perspective. I've got my problem in the right perspective. Then stretch your hands this way and start praying for these people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, right now, God, that faith would arise in this place, that hope would arise in this place. God, that wavering, God, would be that going back and forth, Lord, that we would, would stand firm in our faith, that we would stand strong in our faith, God. Being unwavering, not moving by, by doctrine or by the world, but God, standing firm in the belief that you have called us, God, you have a promise for us, God, you have a destiny for us. You have a blessing for us. God, and we step into that. God, we say, Lord, let our problem be demagnified in the name of Jesus. We worship you. Come on, lift your hands as they sing this song. Come on, just take just a few moments. I want you to lift your hand all across this building. God, I pray, Lord, right now, Lord, that your word that went forth, God, I pray, Lord, that it would be sealed by the mighty name of Jesus. God, that our focus would be on the promise. God, that we would be like Abraham. We may not have all the details, but God, will fully trust in you. We'll fully trust in you. The promise is greater than then the problem, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would seal this word in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. God, I pray, Lord, that you go with us this week, Lord, that you would bless us, God, as we come and go. God, give us strength to do what we need to do. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be the witnesses you've called us to be. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on, sing that one more time.
is good. What a great service. Just have a few announcements for you before we're dismissed this morning. First of all, if you're a guest and you are worshiping with us for the first or second time, we're so thankful that you're here. We thank you for being with us and worshiping with us. We ask that you would fill out the connection cards that are in the seats right in front of you and take those to our information center this morning so we can give you a gift. That card's just to tell us a little bit about yourself and how we can support you and disciple you and pray for you. Also, there are giving boxes right outside both doors and one upstairs for ties and offering. You can drop that in there today. There's also ways to pay online and through our giving app. Um, right after service, anyone who has kids or teenagers going to camp next week, we want to meet with you just to go over some of the logistics. So it's important that you meet with us. We're going to be meeting in the fellowship hall, which is right over here on the side of the church. Um, if you need any additional information about camp and maybe you can't stay for the meeting or something, you'll want to see Pastor Carrie Poole. Um, and then one more thing, save the date. We're going to be having a marriage conference on October 1st and 2nd. There'll be more details and sign-up sheets coming soon. If you have not been to one of our marriage conferences, you want to get there. So make sure you mark that on your calendars. You have a wonderful Sunday.